Praise God. It is wonderful to see the presence of God moving. And let's all pray and give thanks to God because this is a very special moment that we can enjoy and savor because God is good. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. You're great. You're awesome. You're the only one, the real one. And we want to give thanks to you, how wonderful you are. Thank you, dear Father. Thank you for Jesus and how wonderful he is. And he completed the work that you gave him. Just he did it so well. And he completed it in only 33 years here in this earth. Thank you, dear God, for Jesus. Thank you, Father. Cuán grande eres tú, Señor. Maravilloso eres tú, Padre Celestial. Te damos gracias, te alabamos, y te bendecimos solamente a ti, Señor. Baruch Hashem, Adonai, Elohim, Eloheihu, Adonai. Thank you, dear Father. Bendito sea el nombre del Señor. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. It's really appreciated. We need more. I need more. I need more, dear God. Help us to receive more from you. You want to give us. You are, you're been telling us for a long time that you want to give us more. Help us to be ready, dear God, right now to ask for more, dear God. I want to ask for more, but I want to be obedient, dear God. I want to be obedient, not stubborn as I was so many times. Oh, dear God, you can do the change. I can trust you completely. Please do it, dear God. In the name of Jesus, please bless our dear brother Lorenzo. And since Delray was mentioned, bless her over there too. You're the only one that can be in all places at the same time. Thank you, dear God. You're wonderful. We give you thanks. We praise you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, I don't remember ever hearing somebody pray in English, Spanish, and Hebrew. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, I find myself in such an interesting place right now. I feel very humbled and grateful to the Lord because uh, this is the most beautiful, meaningful spiritual, real touch of God's service I've been in this year, anyway. And I, I've had the blessing of preaching at a new church plant. I keep thinking I have to introduce you to Brady because you're very similar. Um, you have such similar anointings and callings. But, uh, you know, I came here today with the intention of ministering something from God to you. And all I'm going to say is I have been ministered to so much already that when Stephen said, hey, I don't know if we need you to preach, um, my spirit leapt because you don't need me to preach. <clears throat> I'm not joking. I'm being deadly serious. And uh, I feel uh, embarrassed and a bit guilty 
because I feel like I have received so much more that I needed. And then just as Stephen kept saying, just that the Lord just wanted to give me anyway because of his goodness, um, I feel like a bit of a fraud, like sharing the word with you because I've, I've you've given me the presence of God in this place, the beauty and the maturity and the depth and the health that is in this body of Christ. I kept, you know, I had to resist the temptation to go onto Instagram and post pictures with comments like, Boston's best kept secret. You know, I've said that to you before, but there has been a tangible growth and deepening of the work of God in this place. Like, I feel safe, I feel blessed, I feel forgiven, I feel that I can be honest, and that there are just open skies above this place. And it's not funny. This is Boston's best-kept secret. So I decided that I will not do what I usually do. By the way, if you s happen to follow me on Instagram, and I'm going to let you into <laughs> a little secret, which I know that if Delray listens to this sermon afterwards, she's going to be like, if you just hadn't said that thing, it would have been perfect. <laughs> but I feel very free and honest and accepted and loved. And you know, I love, love, love Stephen and, and his family in this church. I was, I was happy like a child at Christmas at the invitation. Um, but sometimes I post stuff on Instagram and, and my kids will be like, aren't you in church right now? <laughs> and then Delray will say to me, you shouldn't do that because... The assumption is that you are so bored with what's going on that you took out your phone, looked at Instagram, and you were so bored that you decided to post a picture of your guitar during church. And I'm like, no, no, I do worship clips and everything. And a guitar, but, you know. And I, I tell that really stupid, embarrassing, silly story to make the point that I feel like we were here for five hours and like one minute has passed since the service began because that's what the presence of God does. And so, um, thank you, Fellowship Bible Church, for being open to the move of the Holy Spirit. And so, won't you open with me to the Scriptures, please? I, I'm just going to... God has already spoken, so I'm going to super shorten the message to its essence, to what I believe it is that the Lord just wants us to hear today. Uh, it's, it's an encouraging word. I hope it's practical. I, I hope it's something that you can add to your spiritual repertoire. And turn with me to Psalm 147. As you do that, I want to ask for the Lord's help. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your mighty Holy Spirit, thank you for the privilege and joy of being found in your presence today. Thank you personally for reminding me what an eternally immeasurable honor it is to be with your people, to remember you through the breaking of bread, 
and to hear you speak a word directly to our hearts, to the men especially through our sister, through your daughter. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging me and reminding me that there are places in the church where you are present and you visit and you show yourself. And now I pray that you will take your word and just say at least one thing to each and every one of us today that will cause us, because of it, to draw closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So once Psalm 147, verse 1, Praise the Lord, for it is good. It is good. That's a big word in God's speak. For it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. Put your name there. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He does it. He counts the number of the stars, and it's kind of, wait, 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 hang on, you're talking about this very close, intimate, personal interaction of God with me, and now you're talking about the stars. He counts the number of the stars, he calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord, he goes back to me and you, the Lord lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked down to the ground. Just in those first few verses, the psalmist is saying, listen, man, if nothing else is true in your life and my life, this is true. It is a good and pleasant and beautiful thing to praise the Lord. Because He's intimately involved with us, with our brokenness, with our difficulties. He's there. I mean, the metaphor, the story uh, he tells, the metaphor he uses is of a broken, bruised person and this very intimate uh, uh, caretaker who's, by, of all the things he could have said, he could have used the metaphor of a warrior or of a provider, but he uses one of brokenness and then it's like he does this random, oh, by the way, um, God created all of the stars and knows them all by name and then comes back down to earth from the heavenlies, and, oh yeah, no, he's taking good care of you. And, um, you know, when the Lord first gave me this word earlier this week on Monday, I was confessing to Stephen early, early on before the service, <clears throat> and being that he's been so open and honest, because <laughs> there's not a lot of that about anymore, by the way. I, don't take it for granted, please. And, uh, and I was being transparent with him, and I said, you know, sometimes God gives you a word, and your spirit goes, amen, that's all, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I'm going to love preaching on this. But your soul or your, and your flesh go, Lord, no offense, but this is way too simple. Nobody's going to know that I, I've preached some really profound stuff before, like... I'm being very honest with you. I, I, I mean, Lord, 
People will have heard this before. You know how many times people, especially the folks in this church, I mean, they're called Fellowship Bible Church for Pete's sake. They have a real pastor teacher who actually teaches them the word. People are going to go, really? You're the guest speaker and this is your subject? And by Wednesday, the father says to me, listen, don't preach from a place of need. Share my word from a place of obedience because you don't know, you have no idea how I'm going to take my word, you're just a mouthpiece, and how my spirit is going to take what you share and use it to draw my people closer to me. And then by Thursday, I was so excited. By Friday, yesterday I was, you know, uh, I've, I've said for years that if Boston was a woman, I would have married her and had children. We used to live here, and Boston is still my favorite. I call it Goldilocks City. You know, the, the Goldilocks parable could almost be in the Bible because it's so perfect, right? Because the point of the story is it was, it was just right. Not too big, not too small. It was just right. It's not that it's mediocre. It was right. And to me, Boston's just right. It's not too big, not too small. Anyway, whatever. So I'm taking pictures at the harbor yesterday. I go into the north end. I go to Salumeria Italiana. I always buy salami. And I take it and I go down to the waterfront. And then I take pictures of the salami and of the boats. And I, I really do. I promise you, you can see on my Instagram. And then I send it to my family to make them jealous. And my brother-in-law in South Africa and my wife back in New York both said, I'm so jealous, I'm so jealous. And there was a little bit of joy in my heart. <laughs> in the, no, I'm, I'm half kidding. But <laughs> it, it's a thing in our family, you know. And I spent yesterday, I must have 50 times said out loud, praise you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Because that's the message. Praise Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. And I remember, you know, for as a younger Christian, for many, many, many years, I would just even be in, in a shop somewhere and remember something about the goodness of God. And I would literally raise my arms and go, praise the Lord. And then there have been times when it's happened to me twice where I've been in an elevator and then I just get on my knees and I'm just like, praise you, Lord, I love you, you know. And then you see the camera in the corner and you realize that the security guard is calling other security guards. There's a nutcase on elevator four. And then not caring and even celebrating it and, and, and. And it's not just that I wanted to live what I preach, because I, I still do that, by the way. When I, when I come into the office at work, um, you know, every, every morning, every single morning, I, if I'm carrying something, I put it down, and, and I'm always in the office first, or almost always, 99 out of 100 days. And I get on my knees, and I raise my hands, and I say, Lord, I thank you for this place. I praise you. For this opportunity. Thank you for another day to be able to provide for my family. I think what I hadn't, or maybe what I've forgotten a little bit, is that when the psalmist says, encourages us to sing praises to God, he says, For it is pleasant. It is pleasant. There is pleasure in praising God. 
Can I just tell you, God bless you, Beth, for your obedience today and, and for the, the dude playing the, the drum thingy, McBob. Um, and you, you can definitely beat that thing harder next time, but because I was just getting in the rhythm, I'm like, whack that thing. Anyway, it was very beautiful. And I'm, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. There was a tangible sense of the presence of the Lord. You could feel the pleasure of God. You know, when it says, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful, um, in our world, particularly today in the 21st century, although I suspect it's always been true of sinful mankind, uh, you know, when the Bible uses the word beautiful, especially in these contexts, he's not saying beautiful in the sense that we say, oh, what a beautiful woman, or, you know, what a beautiful, what a good-looking guy. Beauty in the Bible, uh, you know, there's the verse that says, for God has made all things beautiful. Beauty from God's perspective refers to something that He has created which brings pleasure to Him and which reveals His goodness and His perfection and His love and His grace. And and so Scripture is saying that God considers our praise as something beautiful that is pleasant to Him. I've been reading through Revelation in my quiet times over these last six, seven weeks, and I'm in chapter 13 and 14 right now, and, and it speaks about how God gives over His saints to be killed by the Antichrist. And how that their sacrifice is something beautiful and precious in his sight, the shedding of their blood. And it's a whole other profound thing. And so when we talk about the simple but really multi, 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 immeasurable almost message, this idea of praising God, we're talking about something that gives God pleasure. Not in a human way. Does this make sense? It's something that brings him joy, that draws him close to us, that attracts his attention. And uh, I asked this question. So when he says, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful, you know, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to God. And I'm like, Lord, why is it good? Why is it good? Why are you saying that it's good to praise you. Why is it good to praise the Lord? And these are some of the thoughts that the Holy Spirit gave me. It is good because it is right. And it's appropriate. Many, many years ago, years ago, I was preparing a sermon on worship, one of my favorite subjects to preach on because my preaching tends to be very devotional in nature and character. And uh, this thought came to me from the Holy Spirit, which is, was, I was so overjoyed that I got it. And the thought was this, is that worship is understanding who God is and what He has done, understanding who I am, and therefore responding appropriately to His presence. Wait. Understanding that God is perfect and infinite and holy and unknowable unless the Holy Spirit reveals Him to us. And that I am a sinner and selfish and broken and worth nothing. And that the twain shall never meet. 
save for the grace of God in sending Jesus, His Son, to wash away my sins so that I can go from that immeasurable chasm to intimacy to the point where God puts His Holy Spirit in me. And therefore, it is appropriate, I understand now, that the appropriate response is to praise Him and shower Him with affection and devotion and to surrender my life to Him because what other response could there be? And that's why it's good and right and appropriate. That's why it's pleasant. That's why it's beautiful. And then in the next few verses, the whole psalm is basically a version of the first two verses. He goes on to give reasons why we should praise him in his context. So David is saying, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He builds up a city. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. Do you know how much work over years it took for Israelites who had been banished or who had been cast out of Israel to come back to the holy city? Do you know how much money and time and energy? That one sentence talks about decades of the work of the Spirit. The blood, sweat, and tears that went into just him being able to say, building up Jerusalem, gathering the outcasts. And then, when they're together, he heals the broken heart and binds up, the, he counts them, etc., etc. And then, verse 6, he says, the Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked down to the earth. Like we heard earlier, he's fighting against that. So he's just giving this list, probably the first few things that came to mind, honestly. Here are all the reasons why we should praise the Lord. And then I just thought of this. You know what? I have my own version of this. You have your own version of this. This morning, you can turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, I've got a list of reasons why I should praise the Lord. God saved my soul. He saved my parents. He saved my sister. My brother's coming by faith. He blessed me with a wife that I don't deserve. And all of creation said, Amen, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, when I first came to the States, forgive me if I've said this before, in a past preach here, I heard, we were only here a few months, 26 years ago in Boston, and I heard this phrase for the first time, Oh, dude, you really married up. You know, which I love. I'm not saying this, listen, those of you who know Delray know that I'm married up, so whatever. So, when my kids started saying, Dad, you really married up. <coughs> One time I got so irritated. <coughs> I looked at my daughter and I said, should I have married down? And instead of them laughing, they went, really? That's your comeback? <coughs> you should be even more grateful. I was telling Stephen, man, if you want to know the truth, <coughs> ask your kids. Your wife will tell you mostly... Um, and we'll be married by God's grace 36 years in December. <clears throat> and, uh, <coughs> and listen, I've been a saint. You know how difficult Delray is. <laughs> no, you, you know the opposite is true. But, <laughs> but your wife will still hold back like that 2 or 3%. Your kids have none of that grace. It's like, dang, you know, just... My kids say to me, Dad, 
we're your biggest critic because we're also your biggest fan. That's why when you ask us the truth, we tell you. And I thought when they became adults and became aware of some of their own shortcomings now, they're not teenagers anymore, right? That would change. It never changes. <clears throat> they are more gracious in saying it, but they still tell you the truth. But God has given me a wonderful family, an incredible life. He's kept me for 40 years this November by His grace. There's a list of stuff. And yet at the same time, it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, but Lorenzo, if your life was a tragedy, and your life was one tragedy to the next, and you couldn't point to a long list of blessings and good things, you should still praise the Lord. What? That's a mind twist. Because the Bible says that God's ways, and never mind His, his ways, His actions, what He does, just His thoughts are not ours. Please listen, understand this language. Let's hear what God is saying. He's not saying they're similar and sometimes different. They are not our ways and thoughts. We discovered four and a half months ago that my sister, who's five years younger than me, has stage four cancer. It's been totally traumatic because I've buried both my parents. I was telling Stephen... Two weeks ago, I just had such a terrible week because a very dear friend of mine in England who's a mentor to me passed away from cancer. And that same week, my sister got a bad report on a human level. She knows the Lord. And this thought just came into my mind. You've buried your parents. You're going to bury your sister. Your brother's older than you. You're going to bury your brother. Before you die, you will have buried your whole family. And I was like, wow. I mean, I, would, I shared it with Delray. She wanted to give me a hug. It was one of those moments you see in the movies. I just kind of pushed her away. I said, I, I, need to be, I just need to be alone. I just need to be alone. And then within two days, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, we are going to fight this thing. We are tr I'm trusting you for complete healing for her. I really, absolutely trusting you, Lord. And God, you're... You are able. You've done it for so many other people. And as I just started to remember how faithful God has been in our lives, I just went from depression and despondency, and I found myself a few hours later, and then two or three days later, and within a week, back to a place of, you know, Lord, I praise you because you are perfect because you are gracious, because you are kind. All the things that the scripture says about you, I've, you have kept me for four decades. I've experienced so many of them in my own life and seen the lives of so many other hundreds of your children and even people who don't know you yet, Lord, to know that what the Bible says about you is true. You are all-powerful. Uh, your thoughts and ways are not ours. I know that you are all-knowing. Lord, I don't have to understand a situation or even agree with it to praise you. It is right and appropriate and good and beautiful 
to praise you because you just are worthy of it. And what I discovered is that praise is a declaration, actually, of lordship. When I say, when we say this morning, and by the way, it's a very serious thing. When I say, praise the Lord, and the Lord I'm praising is the God of the Bible, the Father of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who we celebrated so gorgeously today. Literally, we could have spent the whole morning just around the communion table. It's a declaration that I acknowledge, number one. Secondly, I choose to follow. And thirdly, I gladly surrender my life to God, the one that I praise. It's a declaration. Every time I say, I praise you, Jesus, it is a declaration to Satan and his minions that I recognize that Jesus is the king of my life and that his father is the God of my life and that he's the one true God. By acknowledging and focusing on him, I am, by choice, rejecting everything else. It is a statement of lordship. It is a statement of belonging. You know, in verse 11 of this psalm, it says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Listen to this. In those who hope in his mercy. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but isn't that totally contradictory? The Lord takes pleasure. What gives him pleasure is those who fear him. And we understand from the original meaning of the language and the context and when this is written, fear It's not that I'm afraid of him, of course. It's that, again, it's that respect that's born out of understanding. I fear God because I realize that he's all-powerful but also all-loving. That he's completely just and fair. So all of his judgments are righteous and true and correct. And that's why... I hope in his mercy. I fear him because he's merciful. Do you understand? I follow him because he's kind and loving and all-powerful. And then we understand from this verse, those who fear him means, in today's language, those who know him, those who commune with him daily. Those who hope in His mercy means those who have chosen to surrender their lives because they've already tasted of His supernatural goodness. Again and again and again. I'm going to place my hope only in somebody that I trust. I'd be a fool to put my hope in somebody who's proven themselves to be untrustworthy. I mean, really, you could sum up all of what we've said this morning so far in those who love him, in those who love him. Praise 
is a key that opens the door to a deeper knowledge of God. It is a key that introduces a deeper level of communion. I was very interested to hear this morning in our communal experience of the Lord, Stephen and then somebody else using these words, we want more. You said you were going to give us more. We want more. That's a beautiful prayer. And it's such a dangerous thing to ask. Because if you want more of God, it means that you have to get rid of more of you. And it's good news because the more of you that you have to get rid of is only the bad parts of you. God never asks you to throw away or give away or give to Him the parts of you that Jesus has transformed and redeemed. That would make no sense. It's, it's the right prayer to pray. And can I tell you this? In my experience of church life, the Holy Spirit brings a church as a community together to a place to pray that prayer only because He is ready to answer that prayer. But it takes a church years of growth and stumbling and standing up and moving forward and fighting the enemy and surrendering their flesh and falling down and standing up. You know, I, I've been listening to a series, uh, a podcast series by Christianity Today called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church. Do yourself a favor. Listen to it. Not so much even because of the, the issue with Mars Hill, with the leader of Mars Hill Church and all that stuff, but it's, it's a great history lesson. If you've been in the church world for the last 20 or 30 years, man, you'll, you'll be hearing. It's like this revelation of what the church, capital C, has been through in America for the last few decades. And you know what the overarching story is? Man, are we weak. Man. Why do we say man? Wow. <coughs> are we carnal and selfish and sinful? But wow, is God gracious and forgiving and kind. And isn't it incredible <coughs> how God continues to redeem us and work in us in spite of ourselves? And to still shape us and conform us into the image of Jesus by His Holy Spirit. Doing immeasurable, uh, beyond human understanding things. Being so patient and kind and keeping us. And all at the same time, making us more and more and more like Himself. When we praise God, like we did this morning. There's so much going on in the heavenlies and in the spiritual realm. As I, as I get older, I, I, I turn 60 in December by God's grace. I know I look exactly my age. I was going <laughs> to... Can I tell you this? I don't know. Somebody else is my age or older in this year. I don't know if this happens to you. This literally happened to me just yesterday. But it's happened four or five times this year where I've seen guys, usually it's in the airport, um, 
who look like me. And I just find myself thinking, oh, that dude looks a bit old. He shouldn't be wearing jeans. Just like that, you know? And then I'm like, whoa, he's also got mostly white hair and there's wrinkles and stuff. And I'm wearing jeans. I'm that. That's how other people look at me like I just looked at him, you know? And it's always a, such a healthy reminder, right? That God sees us and the work he's called us to through such completely different eyes. And that we need to see things like he does. Anyway, maybe that's just me encouraging myself. But my point is, you know, as you get older, as you get older, and in, in my spirit, I think those of you who've had anything to do with me will know, in my spirit I really am like a, whatever, 25, 26-year-old most people find that encouraging. Delray finds that totally depressing. And I remind her that I'm talking about my spirit, not my brain, my mind. Um, I'm always concerned with the next generation and the generation after, etc., etc., etc. But there is this wonderful thing called the process of life. Where if you do not focus on Christ and praise the Lord and keep your attention on Him, you over the process of living longer, disappoint others and are disappointed, can be disappointed. I mean, our political system, wow. There's so much stuff that's broken that it, as you get older, there is that temptation to go, you know what, I want nothing to do with any of this. It's all as corrupt as it's always been. It's never, ever going to change. I'm not interested. I'm just going to focus on me and my family. You know, this morning, the word that you, you, you brought, which was totally for me, by the way, I didn't know whether to be happy with you or angry with you. No, I'm kidding. I was nothing but joyful. It was like, whew, that has not happened to me probably in three years, where somebody brings a word and I'm like, Lord, is it just you and me in this room today? Um, and why are you telling everybody publicly about what's going on in my heart? Like, <laughs> did I sign off in this somewhere? And you said something about, for us as men, not withdrawing to just your family. Because I've been doing that, you know. And it's such a godly spiritual, it's the right thing to do. It's just me and my family. And now I have this nearly perfect grandson. What a gorgeous kid. And people keep saying he looks like me. And uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But um, just what, what, what a lovely, innocent soul. And, and, and just even through my grandchild, understanding the beauty and brilliance of God's handiwork. And how he's made each and every one of us unique and all this good stuff. And I've been wrestling this year with, do I really want to risk my heart again after the stuff that's happened to me in Delray the last three or four years? Do I, do I really want to trust again? Do I, oh, do I really want to go through some of that pain again. Praise the Lord. 
Thank you for bringing me to Fellowship Bible Church. I don't know if what I'm sharing is a blessing to helping anybody. I tell you what, this whole Sunday was apparently arranged just for me. And, and listen, to I'm being deadly serious. And, and here's the thing. God does stuff like that. You know, Stephen, the reason I mentioned the podcast earlier on, sorry, is to say this. For a pastor to stand before his congregation and say, Hey, everybody, um, I've been getting counseling, and I was just away for the last few weeks. Thank you for your prayers, because you know what? I guess I have stuff I have to work through. And then for people in the church to clap and say, Amen, that's awesome, because I heard you. I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? <laughs> right? What is wrong? Do you know how rare something like this is in the so-called modern church today? I say this not as a compliment, but as an encouragement to you. Stuff like that is Holy Spirit stuff. Because men and women do not voluntarily say, I need help. And the culture we live in today shoots the wounded. Oh, you've got issues? Well, isn't it a bit hypocritical for you to preach God's word to us? You've seen a I've never seen a counselor. It's funny how people who say I've never seen a counselor are the very people who should get a lifetime free subscription <laughs> to counsel. And so in closing, I want to just encourage us with this today. I, I, I want to give you just some, I'm going to skip it, some very, very practical things. You know, the, the psalmist is encouraging us and teaching us that the answer to life's blessings and burdens is praising God. Are you blessed today? Praise the Lord. Declare His Lordship. Acknowledge Him. Recognize that it's Him. Are you faced with a huge burden today? Praise the Lord. Take the focus off yourself and your circumstance, which for you are all-consuming, but for Him are things that He can either change in the wink of an eye or over the next ten years. There are things, there are burdens and struggles that the Lord allows in our lives, sometimes for years, because He knows that it's going to take that long and He needs all of that time because if He healed you or delivered you of your burden right away, you wouldn't know what to do with it. It's the situation Stephen was talking about earlier on. Hey, everything's fixed. And you go, and you, there's, there's no pattern of transformation in your life where you haven't understood what the transformation was for. And you just go back to the same thing that you did last time. By the way, it doesn't matter who you are today and who I am. It's part of the sin nature. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Such a gross image. Have you ever seen a dog eating its vomit? It is so disgusting. I saw it as a kid, and it made me want to throw up. It was so... And the dog was like, yum, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, Scripture uses these things. So me seeing it in the 20th century, he's talking about this 2,000 years ago. Sin doesn't change. Sinful behavior. 
but God changes us. And so what praise, the, 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 the secret to spiritual life is to praise the Lord at every opportunity because it focuses me on Him. It takes my attention off myself and my circumstance and it forces me to have to look to Jesus to be the solver of my issue or to be the source of my blessing. So practically, you know, every single morning, um, I did it again today in, in the Airbnb where I was. It's a, it's a spiritual discipline that I've been practicing for probably 30 years now. And I can say with integrity, if I've missed 20 mornings in that 30 years, it would be a lot. Because it just became a pattern of spiritual behavior. And because I know that praise is a choice, right? Which that It's a choice. I make that decision with my mind. It involves my intellect. It, it's also... Uh, a thing of emotion. It involves my heart. Um, I understand that praising God continually is a spiritual discipline. I've got to make a regular practice of it. It needs to be something that is just part of my life, regardless of my state of being or my circumstance or my location. It doesn't matter where I am in the world even. It's something that comes from my inner being but needs to be expressed externally. Right? Sing praises to God. Speak praises to God. Why is that so important? Because praise and worship is not something only internal. It needs to be declared. It pleases Him. It blesses others. You encourage your own heart with this. And so what I do is that every morning, um, before I get out of bed, by the way, and even if I need to go to the bathroom, sometimes capital N, I wake up, whether Delroy is awake or asleep, and I, I raise my arms to heaven, and I say out loud, I love you, Father God. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. And then I say, I praise you, Father. I praise you, Lord Jesus. I praise you, Holy Spirit. And then I say, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Into your hands, I commit myself today. And then when I go to sleep, the last thing that I do, I raise my arms in the dark, and I say, I love you, Father God. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you. And I repeat that. So I begin and I end my day with acknowledging Him, declaring that I belong to Him, recognizing that He is my God and my Savior, that He is whatever has happened through that day, even if I've had the most dreadful day. By the way, even if the day's been dreadful because I've sinned or rebelled against Him, that's another thing as you get older, you find it easier to acknowledge that sometimes the things you excuse, it's just rebellion. Many years ago, the, the Lord gave me this thought. You know, when you first saved, you're a young Christian, it's like Jesus is my Savior. And you're new, right? It's like anything that's new, like a kid that's new keeps making the same mistakes because they're a kid. But, you know, if you're 24 and pooping in your pants or, or just throwing food off the plate onto the kitchen floor like a baby... It's not because you have issues physically, but because you get joy out of it and you're acting like a three-year-old. 
at some point, somebody has to say, dude, what are you for? No, I'm 24. You know, like there's an issue there. And so my point is that spiritually, when we first saved, Jesus is my Savior, and maybe I still do stuff that I shouldn't. I'm not, I don't really feel that guilty or convicted, whatever. I'm new. I'm learning. I'm getting to know the Bible. But after a few years, it's like this transition happens where, yes, Jesus is my Savior. That will always be true. But now Jesus has become my Lord. And so things that I used to do and excuse... I find the level of conviction because I'm a little bit older in the Lord. It's like, you know what? I, I know that the Lord's really not happy with that. Okay, Lord, I'm going to stop doing that, Lord. But I've found, and, and listen, I'm not saying this is in the Bible. This is my, my view of things, but I think it's, it's biblically correct too, is that then you move from lordship to kingship. That's a whole other level. Because the Savior might speak four times, the Lord might speak twice, but the King speaks once. Right? When you get to that place where you've known God, now you know His Word, you've experienced enough of Him in your life, and you, you're tempted to do something, and you're aware that it's God the Father, it's the King speaking, and you know that if you disobey this time, there will be a price to pay. And you think of the Old Testament illustrations, or you see in these movies, you know, the person's trembling before the king on their knees, and the king is thumbs up or thumbs down. And what I mean, this is it's spiritual maturity, what I mean is that sometimes stuff that you used to explain away very cleverly and even maybe throw in a verse or two which was slightly adapted according to your own version of the Bible <coughs> to explain away that sinful behavior, <coughs> when you get to the kingship phase, it's like, you know what that is? It's just rebellion. I don't believe in my theology that God punishes you you here on earth, but I do believe that you lose reward in heaven. Because otherwise, it's just a fantasy, and it's just a free-for-all, right? And so, if I take that understanding and I apply it to how I praise the Lord, there's a time when like, yeah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, praise the Lord, and then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, just recently, I was in a restaurant with two very dear friends of mine. And as the food was served, I said out loud, praise the Lord. And when very liberal, as liberal as Massachusetts and liberal upstate New York, and the people at the table next to us, a couple of heads turned. So I said, praise the Lord again. You know, I wasn't being weird. I wasn't like a Southern Baptist or anything. And... <laughs> My friend was kind of, um, I mean that in the kindest way. I do, really. Um, Southern Baptists can be Christians, too. Anyway, so, <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny about this? Those of you who are laughing are more guilty than me. But anyway, um, no, and, and so afterward, we had like this little talk about it, you know. And I looked at them, and they're much younger than me. I said, guys, I'm not saying that to be weird. Um, I do this all the time at home. I must say praise the Lord a hundred times a day. Whether it's in my heart or whether I say it out loud, 
I didn't yell it at the top of my lungs. I'm with two other Christians. And then one guy said to me, I never say it. Quite honestly, I really think it. And I wasn't like, yeah, you should be a better Christian. I said, no, I, t- I totally get that. I just, for my time on earth is shorter than yours, according to, you know, how life should go naturally. I'm quite a bit older than them. I said, I don't want to get to heaven. And my record shows, right, that I, I, I could have been so much more grateful. Because praise the Lord is also an act of gratitude. I believe I have always that, that gratitude is one of the, it's like a golden key. Man, if I can live gratefully, if I can be saying constantly to the Lord, thank you for this communion meal. Thank you for the coffee this morning. Thank you for my dinner tonight. If I can start to finish my day, thank you, Lord, that you've kept me another day. It's not about me. It's about him. Thank you, Lord. I acknowledge your kindness and your goodness. Thank you, Lord. It's not an escape mechanism. Oh, my life is a living hell, but praise the Lord, isn't he kind? I'm not being cynical. I'm not being spiritually cynical. I mean it. Thank you, Lord. Not, look how much we have compared to the rest of the world. No, just because it's true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And what praise does, and praising the Lord does, I'll finish with this thought, is that it orients, it orientates your life where you have a north right in front of you all the time. It's harder for you to get lost and to lose your way when you are constantly focused and acknowledging God. And by the way, you know how it says in verse 1 that praise is beautiful and pleasant? It's beautiful and pleasant for you too. When you are living in a place where you are consciously and intentionally praising, acknowledging and thanking God, it brings a kind of a beauty and a softness into your life. I tell you what it also does. It takes away so much stress because you're constantly reminding yourself, like we heard this morning, that this great, almighty, perfect, all-powerful, all-loving God that I keep acknowledging, He's looking out for me. Amen. So let's pray. (coughs) Please. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Spirit, I thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, for your presence with us today, for the beauty of the worship of the communion. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the immeasurable, uncountable things that you have done for us. But more than that, thank you for who you are to us. And Lord, we commit ourselves to praising you and thanking you through, through all of our days. Lord, Holy Spirit, help us to never forget that it's only because of the goodness of God that we even have breath in our lungs. Lord, I thank you for this church. I pray that you bless Stephen and his family. Bless this congregation. I pray they will no longer be Boston's best-kept spiritual secret, but that, Lord, you will bring hundreds and thousands of people through these doors who need to experience what we did today in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.